you know, we live with a posture of saying yes to God before we even know what the question is, let alone why. And so I was like, yep, no worries. Trusting that as God course corrects or tries to get us to alter our path a little, he's got something better. And I've just been blown away by the traction that uh, this series has brought. Just the feedback I've been getting and the conversations I know that have been taking place during the week uh, and so on has been excellent. Um, our, our growing online presence and the introduction of our podcast. Just this week, in fact, um, I was telling our team members earlier, we had people uh, sign up to our podcast from South Africa, England, the US, East Coast of Australia, just because they're hearing about what God's doing here and what God's saying here. And uh, it's really, really exciting. I'm seeing people sitting, leaning in, taking notes like never before, which is great. And so we're finishing up this series uh, today. But, but don't let it be the finish uh, oftentimes, God wants to just to put a, a foundation, a platform down that we can build on, that we can take further. And there's some stuff we're going to teach today that certainly will give us things to work on and things to apply beyond uh, just this week. Um, the topics that we've covered, uh, again, just to catch you up, we've covered week one, we talked about laying down our feelings of inadequacy. You know, I took a bit of a a pop quiz that day, how many people ever have felt or do feel inadequate? And you know, it was just ubiquitous. All of us at some point have or do feel inadequate. And we talked about that and what God has to say about that. Laying down a need for control. It's a big one for some of you. And we talked about that. And so again, you can listen to that if you missed it. Or you can listen to it again to get some more and drill deeper. Last week, we talked about laying down our right to be offended a lot of people think that taking offense is automatic, is natural, and actually taking offense is a decision. And we actually don't need to take offense. People will act offensively to us, and you know that, and I know that, but we don't have to take it on. We don't have to actually take the bait and let it corrupt our hearts. There's a better way to respond, and we talked about that last week. And today, we're going to talk about this thing, and I really feel that last week and this week are the two biggest topics that we're going to be covering today. It's talking about laying down our longing for approval. And this is a really interesting one. It, it, it's got a, a sort of a, a neutral side to it, but it's got a dark side to it as well. You know, when you're a kid, or well, those of you that are parents, you'll identify with this in, in, in current or recent times. You know, when uh, you, little Johnny, you, little Susie, are trying to do a new stunt, a new trick, and all you want is mum and dad to look at you. Mum, look at me. Dad, look at me. Mum, look at me. Dad, and, and, and of course, it's something very simple to an adult, but of course, for the child, it's, it's, it's a huge thing. It's, a, it's like a next step. It's a sign of their progression. And, 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 and the only person they care in the world that they want the approval of is, is mum or dad. And it's, you know, that's, that's great. You know, little Johnny scores a goal at soccer and, and, and instead of, you know, after he's done a couple of high fives with his teammates, he's looking down the sidelines, looking for mum or dad, making sure they saw him score the goal. Great. And absolutely no downsides to that. Um, we get into our teenage years, however, and some of this longing for approval can start to take on a dark side. We've all, almost all of us, or perhaps all of us, have heard the, the, the expression peer pressure and uh, the more you have a longing for the approval of others, the more powerful and potentially the more destructive peer pressure can be. Uh, we want to be part of the cool group for, for no reason, just apart from it it, 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 it seems to have attached to it 
more approval than being part of the dorky group. Um, maybe in your job, there's things you do that are more about gaining the approval of others than being effective in, in your own role. I remember uh, our last church, Riverview, just around the corner. Uh, I remember when I first started working there, I, I made a point of being the first one to arrive and the last one to leave every day. And on the surface, you know, I'm a good boy. I'm a hard worker, first to, leave, first to arrive, last to leave, fantastic. But looking back on it, I was trying to let my actions show everyone else that I love Jesus more than they did. And hopefully they'd think that I'm a superstar. And, and the, the fuel, the motivation was this kind of longing for approval. And uh, it does have a dark side. Let me just ask a few little questions. And these are just simple yes or no answers. You don't have to put your hand up, but, but, but answer them just to yourself. Uh, and don't look at the person next to you and answer them for you. Just say this yes or no to yourself. Here's the questions. To know if you're an approval addict. This is our diagnosis, okay? If, if, if you say yes to one or more of these five questions, there's a possibility, a strong possibility, you may have a level of approval addiction. Question number one, do you ever worry about what other people think? Yes or no? You know, it's often talked about that the number one fear is the fear of public speaking, and the number two is the fear of death, which I've always found hilarious. Um, but the fear of public speaking is, is often a, a fear that the individual has of what the people listening will think. It's not even necessarily whether they feel qualified to talk on the content. It's about being concerned about the response of the listeners. Uh, more recent phenomenon that uh, happens now with this whole, whole idea of a fear of what other people think is in the world of social media. You know, someone posts something on Facebook and then checks back every 12 seconds to see if someone's liked it. And because we, we want to make sure that, you know, people like what we post on Facebook or or we check on Twitter, how many retweets have we had? And, and we count them up and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it, it plays to this longing for approval. And if we don't get any likes, if we don't get any retweets, and we don't get any new friends or new followers, it, 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 it can be crushing. Uh, if we're driven by this fear and, and concern about what other people think. Question number two, are you often overly sensitive? You know, if you're overly sensitive when... You know, you might get 10 compliments and then some one person says one negative thing and it erases the, all 10 things that were said positive and, and the only thing you can think of and you, you get consumed by the one uh, and forget about the 10 positive things. Maybe you're overly sensitive. Question number three, you compromise your values. You know, Pete was already talking about this. Pete, some people compromise their values by buying things they can't afford. It's exactly what Pete was saying, buying things they can't afford in the hope of gaining the approval and impressing other people. And uh, that could be a sign that you have a level of approval addiction. Here's one that you may not have, not have thought about that often plays to the issue of whether you have approval addiction is whether you're ever hesitant to share your faith. Someone asks you, what did, how was your weekend? Do you ever lead off with, oh man, Sunday morning, live experience, Elevate Church, best part of my weekend, most incredible thing I ever did. 
Or does it even get on the, the menu of the conversation? You know, do you talk to people about Jesus? Do you invite them, talk about Easter and Christmas? Or do you only talk about the kids unwrapping the presents and how much chocolate you ate? You know, and they, often we hesitate to, to share our faith, the most important thing that we have going for us because we're concerned about what other people think and we think that it may compromise their approval. And here's another one, and this is an epidemic in Western culture. You have a hard time saying no. And this one, you know, I see people just running around like maniacs. Getting here, going there, doing this, getting to that. And and there's no sense of priority in their schedule. There's no sense of what God's first and foremost calling them to do. And what you need to understand, if this is your thing, that, that not every opportunity is an obligation. They're very, very different things. There are certain things that we can and should say no to, but but you'll have a hard time saying no if you're concerned about whether people will approve you because you don't want to let people down. You don't want to disappoint people. And the reality is sometimes disappointing, uh, uh, getting God's approval is actually going to disappoint some people. And if we have to choose, let me recommend always going for God's approval and uh, even if it causes some people to be disappointed. And I'll share a little bit about that as we go this morning. But here's a true statement I want to just throw out there today. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Pete didn't know this, but the proverb that he just read is the proverb that we're going to be hanging our coat on today. Chapter 29, verse 25, Solomon said this, the fear of human opinion disables. However, trusting in God protects you from that. The fear of human opinion. The fear of human opinion, it's just simply three things. What will people think? What will people say? What will people do? And there's every possibility you've asked one or more of those questions in relation to things that you're going to say, going to do, feel God's calling you to. And because you're more concerned about that, and if we get more concerned about that, it's the quickest way to forget about what God wants us to do. Quickest way to forget about God's priority, God's calling, God's opportunities. Because we're worried about what people will think, what people will say, and what people will do. And it's important that we understand this word disables is uh, in, in, in the Hebrew, which the, is the language this was originally written in. This word disable, the fear of human opinion disables, it's, it, it's the exact same word that's used for putting a ring in an animal's nose. Now, I'm no farmer, but, but I've seen this. I've watched the National Geographic channel. I get it. This is absurd. This, this particular practice defies the laws of physics. In fact, because here you have you know, these massive animals, bulls, cows, etc., massive. And this 75-kilogram farmer has learnt that all he needs to do 
to gain control over that 500 kilogram beast, all he has to do is put a hook in its nose. And once that beast has a hook in its nose, he can lead that beast wherever he wants to lead it. He's now the leader. The beast is now the follower. He's actually disabled the will, disabled the opportunity. He's taken control of that animal. And this is exactly what Solomon was saying. He was saying it to a group of people that would have known the meaning of this word. And that's why I'm underlining it this morning. Solomon's telling us, warning us, the fear of human opinion disables. It will render us ineffective. It means we'll be led in whatever direction the people whose opinion we fear want us to go in. And that's the warning. Now, thankfully, he puts the antidote into the same proverb. However, trusting in God protects you from that. That, that, that ring won't even get in your nose if your priority, if our priority is first of all trusting in God. And again, this plays out in everyday environments. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not a parent and I don't go around giving parenting advice, but I'm an, I'm an observer and I have parents. And I've seen parents do some very unwise things purely to gain the approval of their child. Either unwise things for themselves or, or unwise things for their child in, in order to gain the approval of their child. And they'll tell you, oh, my, my son, my daughter, they're my best friend. And that's not how it's meant to work. We're not meant to be the best friend of our kid. We're meant to be their guide. We're meant to be their wise guide. I mean, of course, we want to have a great relationship with them, but we're not BFFs on the same level. We're meant to be their wise guide. And sometimes that means we're going to make decisions on their behalf or make decisions that are going to affect them that they're not going to approve of. And they're going to stomp their feet and they're going to chuck a tantrum and they're going to you know, make all sorts of threats. But you know, to be a parent, to be a leader in your home, that's what's going to be required on occasions. In the workplace, you know, God calls us to be salt and light, calls us to be influential in our workplace, calls us to be influential in our communities, influential in our sporting uh, clubs, influential in our, in our community groups. And... Um, if we're instead consumed by what people think, we're never going to be the leader in those settings. We're always going to be following the lead of other people's thoughts and other people's opinions. So that's a bit of the diagnosis. That's a little bit of the, and it's just skimming the surface of what some of the implications might be. What's the solution? How do we flesh this wisdom that Solomon put out there? Well, I'm just going to talk on two very, very brief things of how we break free from approval addiction. And the first is simply this, focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. There's a situation where Paul, big heavyweight of the early church 2,000 years ago, he was going around and he, when he preached, he preached a pretty strong message. He was a straight shooter, right? that's why I love him. And uh, not everything he preached about won the approval of people. Not, he wasn't about just tickling people's ears and giving them nice you know, throat lozenges to suck on that are going to make them feel good about themselves and about life. Sometimes he was in their grill speaking some very, very strong, very confronting things. And uh, he got some pushback. And there was one church, a church in a place called Galatia, that he got some pushback. And he, and he just wrote to that church and said, listen... 
Do you think I speak this strongly in order to manipulate crowds or curry favor with God or get popular applause? If my goal was popularity, I wouldn't even bother being Christ's slave. It was just a very, very simple, very, very straightforward reminder that there are some things that God calls us and will call us to do, to be, and to say that are not going to be popular with some of the people around us. Now, now, let me just push pause on this. Let's take a, a brief time out. I'm not saying the goal is to go around pissing people off, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying there will be some things God calls us to do, which we're going to have to choose between obeying and pleasing him or winning the approval of people. There will be some forks in the road. And, and my strongest encouragement, and Paul's saying by way of example that some of the things he preached about, he had to choose between speaking God's word, which wasn't always winning him the popularity contest, Galatian idol, or pleasing God. And thankfully, we are the beneficiaries today of him pleasing God and not people because we wouldn't be writing about him. We wouldn't be speaking about him. The church wouldn't have been perpetuated for 2,000 years and exploded if the early church had been more concerned because it wasn't popular. In some places it was against the law. Paul, before he became a big-wig superstar rock star of the church world, he worked for the Jews and his job was killing Christians. Talk about losing the popularity contest there when doing what God asks you to do gets a death sentence. Thankfully, he got this. Focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. You know, this happened here about two years ago. Two years ago when we were Rivervale Church of Christ. It was a Sunday morning and many Sunday mornings. I get up early on Sunday mornings to make sure I just go over my notes and just get clear and really just try to listen to God's voice. One of the things when we're rushing from here to there is we lose the ability to hear God's voice and creating some margin, some space when our kids aren't sitting on our laps stealing our cereal is critical to being hearing God's voice. So we've got a beautiful park across the road from our house and I often on a Sunday morning, I'll just go over there and I just walk around the park and I'm just listening to God. No distractions, no computer, no you know, this, that and the other. And on this particular morning, I had a topic prepared and ready to go in a series that we were teaching on. I can't remember the topic at that time. And, um, and uh, just, just praying, and God, you know, just making sure I'm tuning into him. And uh, I really felt God start to speak to me about a situation that was going on at the time. Now, the situation was simply that uh, on a Sunday morning, once we finished our live experience, uh, here in our auditorium, there was a group of people that would gather in our hall across the way and gossip. And uh, I was aware they were gossiping about me. And it wasn't nice things. They weren't, you know, comparing who was going to buy me the nicest Christmas gift. And uh, I knew that was going on. I'd known, known it had been going on for weeks. And I had every intention of confronting it, but I just wanted some of God's wisdom and I'd been praying over that time and talking with our leaders. And I mean, gossip, you know, make no mistake, it's a cancer. And the second it gets into any group of relationships, it will start to erode those relationships. It, it betrays trust, it erodes trust, and it needs to be cut out. And we're not passive about it, you know. The Bible says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. 
Some people think that means you shouldn't go around dropping F-bombs. It's like occasional F-bombs are not going to destroy someone's life, but perpetual gossip is going to tear people apart. I just wanted some wisdom and I was walking around the park and you know, I, I, I don't even think I was thinking about that particular situation. I was just kind of listening to God and praying and I felt God say, when you get up to preach this morning, just push pause on the message, you, you know, get to that, but I want you just to, just to, for the first few minutes, just confront, just stand up publicly, take authority and confront the people that are gossiping about you. And... Uh, It would have been easy at that time for my default to have been, well, what are those people going to think? Well, if I start saying about it, it's going to be awkward. Yeah. Gosh, some of those people won't, won't like me. I mean, they didn't like me anyway, so actually that, I didn't even think about that one. <laughs> that box was already crossed. Um, and I felt God just say to me, look, there's some things I'm going to call. I already know this. Just God remind me. You get it. You know, Mark, in life and in leadership, there's some things I'm going to call you to do that you've just got to step up above the approval of people and seek my approval and be obedient. Hmm. Okay. But I knew it was a big deal. It's not something we do every week, you know, stand up and have an outing, you know, like you name and shame, you, I saw on Facebook this week, you know, we just, but this was a big thing, and, and, um, and, but, you know, I didn't take it lightly, and I didn't want to just flippantly kind of get up and, and uh, start to correct people and discipline people publicly, I didn't, I mean, in, I'll tell you the story in a second, but, so what I did is I gathered our, our leaders together briefly, uh, just to kind of bounce it off them, hey guys, this is what I feel God speak to me about this morning, I don't want to overstep the mark here, what do you guys think? And, uh, you know, it was Neil was, was there, Sean was there, I think Pete, you, you, you were there, Stewie was there, and uh, they were like, yep, yep, I think it's great, it has to be done, fantastic, well done, Mark, good on you. I mean, Stewie's like, Mark, scrap your message notes, just preach about gossip for 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, steady on Stewie, I don't think that's what God told me to do, but, you know, maybe it wasn't. Um, but, you know, Stewie, he, he was aware that this was a, a cancer that needed to be cut out, and so... Uh, so I did. I stood up and I just started this by saying, hey, listen, sometimes the approval of God is more important than the approval of people. And I fear him more than I love you. I love him more than I fear you. And uh, this is what's been happening and this is, it's just got to stop. And um, you know, it was pretty tense. Even a little bit tense now, some of you hearing the story. You weren't even here two years ago. And that's, that's going to happen sometimes. It's going to, it's, it's, you know, some of the things that God's going to call you to do are going to cause misunderstandings from some people, going to not win their approval. I mean, as soon as I finished speaking, one of the people who was the gossips intercepted me and got in my grill and, and, and spent 40 minutes telling me you know, that I'm wrong and I should be careful. So I didn't win his approval. It's going to happen sometime. But the freeing truth is simply this. Whilst I can't please everyone, I can please God. Some of you have just, just found yourself, not consciously, but you've, you, you, you've slipped and you're now standing in the quicksand of trying to please everyone. And it, it, you'll never get that right. But you can 
please God. God's not out to get you. God's not out to trip you up. God's not out to just catch you doing the wrong thing, you know, trying to figure out who's been naughty or nice. He's actually trying to set you up for victory. He's trying to set you up for blessing. He's trying to set you up for where he wants you to live, the altitude that he wants you to live at. And and as we move into that stratosphere, as we move into that altitude, we can actually please God. And if you know that, and if you pursue that, it's liberating, it's freeing. And then this is the other way we can overcome approval addiction. Live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. If you've made Jesus your Lord, if you've asked him to forgive you of your sins and, 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 and the things that you've done wrong that separate you from having a relationship with him, if you've done those things, you need to know you already have God's approval. You actually live with God's approval. Now, now we still screw up from time to time, even those of us that have made Jesus our Lord because we're idiots and we mess up, and we're going to continue to do that, unfortunately, until we you know, arrive in heaven where there is no sin. But here's the great truth and the freeing truth. We, we who have made Jesus our Lord and, and asked him to forgive us of our sins, we already live with his approval. And we can, we can live from that approval, not for that approval, and, and having chosen to live from that approval, we can abandon the pursuit of the approval of people. We need to live from the approval of God, not for the approval of people. Now again, parents, or even some of you growing up, this would have been your experience. Little Johnny comes home from school. Mummy, mummy. The boys at school are picking on me. We used to call it picking on. Call it bullying now, right? Everything's bullying. Bullying was when you got punched. Just getting called names. That was just picking on. We had two kind of, we had two levels, right? Picking on, bullying. Now it's all bullying. Mummy, the boys at school are picking on me. They are picking on you, Johnny. What's no good? Johnny's in tears. That's no good, Johnny. What are they doing? Oh, Mummy, you know, they, they're calling me this. They're saying I'm that. They, they, they're telling me this and they're saying these things about me and, and they're pushing me around. And, 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 and Mummy's like, oh, you know, and Johnny's, Johnny's inconsolable at this time. Johnny doesn't want to go back to school the next day. Johnny's terrified. Oh, they're saying me I'm too fat, too skinny, too tall, too short. Kids will find a reason to pick on you, right? You know, too tall, too short. Too smart, too dumb, too cool, not cool enough, whatever, carry the night. What does mum do? What does dad do? Well, the wise mum and the wise dad, you know this. They start reminding Johnny of all Johnny's great qualities. Johnny, you're not too tall. One day, those other boys in the playground are going to be watching you play for the Wildcats. And they're going to be paying money for tickets and you're going to be getting paid. You're not too tall, Johnny. Johnny, you're not 
too skinny? How can you be too skinny, mate? One day you're going to be out there and you're going to be running in the Olympic Games because you're so quick. And mom starts, or dad starts speaking to Johnny out of the approval he already has, reminding Johnny of all of the things that Johnny, all the great qualities he already has. Ultimately reminding Johnny that Johnny, you need to go back to school tomorrow. But when you go back there and those boys or those girls start to pick on you, you just say to them, no, that's not true. My daddy says that one day I'm going to play for the Wildcats and you're going to pay money to watch me play. And I'm going to earn a lot of money and you're not. So my daddy says about me. My daddy doesn't say I'm too skinny. My daddy says that I'm so well built and lean and athletic that I'm going to give Usain Bolt a run for his money. Hopefully he'll be 60 by then, but that's not the point. So you understand this dynamic? Johnny has a new sense of confidence. Johnny has a new sense of, 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 of acknowledging who he already is in his mom and dad's eyes and starts operating from that and starts to be less and hopefully unconcerned about what these knucklehead kids might happen to say to him. Well, it's true for us. One of the problems is, is we either don't know because we've never been exposed to what God says about us. We've been exposed to it, but we haven't taken it seriously. We don't take notes when we come here on a Sunday. We don't study God's word during the week. And, and when the devil or when people start to speak things into our life that's against what God has to say, we've got nothing. Well, I'm going to put out a few things. I'm going to put nine things right here, right now. Nine things that God says about you to remind you that you already have his approval. I'm going to say nine things. Nine's not a lot, right? 66 books in the Bible. You don't have to memorize all of them, not even the names. There's nine things that God says about you that if you can actually start to bank these, that when the devil or when other people start to say things against you, draw these out of the deposits that you've put in. Here's the nine things real quickly. Now, I'm going to put these on our Facebook page during the week. If you didn't bring something to write on, you can take a quick picture of your smartphone. Let's throw them up, Sam. These are just nine, nine, nine things. One of them Jesus said, and the other eight Paul wrote. We're not even going into the old part of the Bible to find nine great things that God says. It's how easy this is, how much God wants us to know he approves of us. The first one, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and said that you're a new creation. If you've made Jesus your Lord, you're a new creation. Because often the devil comes along, he just tries to remind us of all the dumb things we've done in the past and how because of all of those dumb things, how could God possibly approve us? But the truth, the truth, God's truth is that when we ask for his forgiveness, when we present our sins before him and say, please forgive me, God, he wipes our slate clean, wipes the whiteboard clean and calls us a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. We need to know that. We need to bank that truth. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and talked about the fact that not only are we free because of what Jesus did for us, we're abundantly free, which is like extra free. 
And people will try to tangle us up in knots and get us in their tractor beam and control us and, and give us the guilt trip and make us do things that, that, that they want us to do even though God wants us to do something else. We need to remember we're abundantly free. We can live at a higher altitude than that. Paul wrote to the church in Rome and he reminded them that nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. He wrote again to the church in Ephesus, said that we're God's masterpiece. That's a big thing for some of us to swallow because we focus on our inadequacies. We focus on our insecurities. We focus on or we hear people telling us all the things that we're not good enough. We're not capable. God says you're a masterpiece. Jesus said you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt was one of the most valuable commodities back in those days. And when he said you're salt, he meant you're extremely valuable. We need to remember that. Paul wrote again to the church in Rome, said that, said that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. When we come against circumstances that we don't think we can overcome, we need to remember we're not meant to overcome them in our own strength. And what's even better is we have access to the exact same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, which, by the way, if you can, if you can overcome death, you can overcome anything. Everything else falls below the line, Right? Death's above the yellow line. Everything else is below the yellow line. Jesus overcame death. If the same spirit that caused, that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, we have access to that spirit. We can overcome anything that people or the devil put in our way. He wrote to, Paul wrote to the church in Rome further on and said that we're joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus is the son of God, came to earth, died, rose again, and now sits on his throne at the right hand of God. And, and God says, you know what? If you make Jesus your Lord, you get all of the same privileges and benefits that he gets. You are joint heirs with him. Wow, that's pretty cool. Again, wrote to the church in Corinth and talked about the fact that we're Christ's ambassadors. That means that God trusts us. He thinks we're worthy enough to call us to do things in his name, on his behalf. And when we think, oh, oh, don't know why you're calling me, don't know why you're calling me, we don't have to know why we're calling him. Apart from knowing that he trusts us, and if we're willing to go, he will do great things in us and great things through us. In the very next verse, Paul reminded that church that we're put right with God. Put right with God. Yeah, there's a, there's a way to live not right with God. But when we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, give me a brand new start. Make me a new creation. I want to live in relationship with you. I want to be a joint heir with you. We're put right with him. It doesn't matter what the kids in the playground are saying to us. We're put right with God. It doesn't matter that, the, that our colleagues think that we're soft or weak because we're not doing some of the stupid things that they are doing. It doesn't matter. We're put right with God. It doesn't matter that we're saying no to some opportunities because we're saying yes to God in some other spheres and if we had to choose, we're choosing God-breathed, God-appointed opportunities and people don't understand that. People think that, 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 that we don't love them or we, we don't care about them because we're not fulfilling their obligations or their expectations. We need to understand. We need to remind ourselves we're put right with God and when we're right with God, everything else pales into insignificance. You know, this morning, some of you may know I've never made that decision that I've been talking about in these last five minutes to make Jesus your Lord, to, to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Some of you, this idea of being put right with God, it, it, it might be news to you, but it's appealing. 
you've never heard it before or you didn't know it was possible or you, or you weren't sure how it happens, but, it, but, it, but it's appealing. Put right with God. Sounds like something I'd like to, to have happen. Well, the good news is that can happen. The good news is we're going to give you the opportunity right now for you to be put right with God, for your life to be put right with God. We're going to do that very, very simply. In a moment, those of you that, that this is your opportunity to be put right with God, to ask Jesus to be your Lord, to, to ask him to forgive you of the things you've done wrong. For those of you that, that, that you're going to make that decision this morning, you just, I just want you to put your hand up. And when I see a hand, you can put it down. And then we're just going to pray. Just pray like all together to get you to come up the front or stand up or anything. But we don't want to miss you taking that opportunity this morning. If you've never done that, for those of you that have never ever made this decision to say, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Let me get right with you. Just slip your hand up right now. When I see your hand, you can put it down. We had three people make this decision last week. Who needs to make that decision today? Say, yeah, I need to be put right with God. Just slip your hand up. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. We don't want to miss anybody. Good on you, buddy. Who else? Terrible, terrible missed opportunity for you to go from this place. And you know you need to make that decision. And you don't take this opportunity. I'm not going to linger over this more than we need to, but, but we don't want to fast track this either. Who else? This is your decision this morning. You say, yeah, I need to be made right with God. I need, I need God to forgive me of my sins. Just slip your hand up and I'll see your hand. Awesome. Who else? Hey, well, let's pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'll just say a sort of half a sentence. I want you to repeat this after me. And guys, regulars, elevate church. Remember, this is people who were dead being raised to life. Let's pray like we get that. Not people that were alive that have now been made dead. We're not at a funeral. We're at a birth. Two new creations. Let's pray like we get that. Let's say these words after me. Dear Jesus, today I commit to make you my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new start. I thank you that I'm made right with you. I thank you that I'm a new creation. From this day forward, I will walk from your approval, not for the approval of people. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Everybody celebrate with those two people. Absolutely fantastic, guys. Brilliant. Well done. Hey, uh, a couple of things before we drink some coffee and uh, mingle. Uh, next Sunday, we're doing what we call a family experience. And uh, our uh, mission of our Elevate Kids is to partner with parents to raise kids who love Jesus. We're not the sort of church where our parents just drop their kids off for an hour every fourth Sunday and hope something sticks. We're partnering with parents wanting to invest into, into kids and raise kids who love Jesus. And instead of, um, you know, little Johnny or little Susie coming up afterwards and, and uh, we say, oh, did you learn anything? Or, you know, some parents, oh, was it fun? Well, yeah, and, you know, every now and then we're going to push pause on what the primary kids do out in Elevate Kids and we're going to bring them in here. And we as adults, 
are going to get exposed to what our kids are learning. We as adults are going to get the opportunity to get excited about what is being invested in our kids. So next week, we call it a family experience, but you don't, you don't have to have kids to be here. I'll be here. I don't have kids. Uh, bring, though, bring people you know who do have kids, primary school kids. So parents and primary school kids will be in here in our adults' live experience, but it's called a family experience next week. The topic is patience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of you need to learn this even more than our kids do. I mean, laughing at them, oh, I hope they learn patience. Well, some of you need to flip and learn it. So be here, 929, have a family experience, and really model that, and really give you the opportunity to really back our kids, be cheering them on. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, um, a photo op. You know, it's not, a, it's not a parade of kids in costumes. It's actually doing something what, like what they do every Sunday, and we get to experience and celebrate and say that's awesome that uh, our kids are... Uh, getting closer to Jesus. So be here, be here for that. Be fantastic. There might be a photo up. Not saying there won't be. Just saying. It's ministry, not a show. So now, Neil, what is coffee du jour today? Well, sorry, I don't need to say today if I've just said coffee du jour. So what is coffee du jour? Tiger Mountain. How many had, was it last week? This is fresh today. Fresh today. Highly recommend it. All right, now, Pete said there's a few first-time guests here this morning. Make sure, Elevate Church, you look for them and make them feel super welcome this morning. Fantastic. All right. 